Hello, and welcome back to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and you're tuned in to part two of our special two-part episode with the extraordinary Andrew Crow. If you missed part one, be sure to catch up on manufacturingculturepodcast.com or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for all the latest updates and past episodes. A big shout out to our show sponsor, Spironi, for their unwavering support and commitment to excellence in precision tool management. And let's not forget our friends at Shop Floor Coffee. Use promo code SKILLUPAZ for a special discount on your next cup of inspiration. In part one, we revisited Drew's incredible journey and got a sneak peek into his recent endeavors and future plans. Today, we're diving into a topic that's both important and inspiring, the historical contributions of Black people in manufacturing. This is a story of resilience, innovation, and impact, and there's no one better to explore it with than Drew Crow. So grab your favorite shop floor coffee brew, and let's embark on this enlightening journey through the annals of manufacturing history with the one and only Andrew Crow. Uh, so Drew, part two, welcome back. Uh, this is awesome, dude. Uh, I really want to highlight the historical contributions that the black community has had on this industry. Right? Yeah. And, and I've got five people that I did some research on that I didn't know about um, coming into this recording. But before we jump into the ones that the white guy found. No, and also, um, also, I'll say this, too. I'll say this, too. This is this is a problem. That's a everybody problem, right? Because. Yeah. Some of the people that you're going to name. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's a problem when you don't know. But there's an also problem when I don't know. And that's the biggest part of the problem is yeah. us in our own community have a lot of educating to do. And it's important that we continue to educate ourselves as well, because we don't yeah. know. And we've been a part of systems that we learn the rest of American history, but we fail to learn these parts of American history that look like us. And so we don't even right. know that we have, you know, such prolific people that have made things that we're using every single day, you know what I'm saying? That will make it easier for us to say, yo, I'm a part of that. That's in me. I can take that torch and carry it further, which I want to also point out that um, I read an article on the first day of Black History Month. A person tagged me to it, and I, I, I'm horrible for not having her name ready, but I appreciate you so much. Uh, but um, this article was in Variety and they talked about Black Futures Month, right? Uh -huh. And, you know, a lot of times we obviously have Black History Month, but we should also have a month or co that, or something that coincides with that, that we talk about Black Futures and people like Dr. Nome Scott Amokpo, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Eric Timmons. We talk about, you know, uh, Will Drury. You know what I'm saying? We talk yep. about Lisa Block. We talk about people that are here right now doing the exact same thing. 
in present day that are changing and yep. innovating and doing all that. Because a lot of times too, when we focus on our our past a lot, it's a lot of darkness in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a lot of achievement through you know trials and and through through systemic bs you know what i'm saying and it's like yep. it's important to highlight those things but it's also important to talk about where we're going because we don't want to yeah. get stuck in uh, a mindset of you know just the past you know what i'm saying and i think that being able to highlight more people from our past that we don't highlight and their achievements Doing that more regularly helps us have an even brighter Black Futures Month. Dude, I love it. Uh, and here's my commitment right now. Last episode, we talked about intentionality and me making this not just a February thing, right? October I, is an entire month that I'm dedicating to student journeys and the future of this industry. Oh. A lot of the recordings are going to come from IMTS, from the Student Summit, mm -hmm. right? Where I'm going to talk with students there. At least one episode in the month of October will be dedicated to Black Futures in manufacturing. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. I'd love for you to join me yep. in that conversation. Let's let's walk around IMTS. Let's talk to students that we talk to in schools that we're in every day. Let's get some stories, but let's let's do that together, yeah. man. I, I I love working with you. I love collaborating with you. You and I are easy to talk. the The conversation's easy. Sometimes it's a lot long winded, a lot more long winded than it oh, should yeah. be. But uh, <laughs> that's usually my fault. No, it's impactful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be so, honored, man. I'd be honored to help share those stories. And I can't think of a better platform to do it on. So. Uh, let's do it. I heard it here first. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's my commitment to my listeners, to my community, to Andrew. Um, so let's, let's get it. Um, so Drew, before we dive into this list of five, uh, amazing human beings that have impacted literally, uh, from I think 1919, maybe even earlier than that on, on some of these, uh, to today, Tell us uh, more about anybody that you want to talk about or or the mark that the black community has left on the history of manufacturing in, in general. Great question. So for me, I think that um, we don't, A, get enough credit for what we've done, um, and B, yeah. we don't give ourselves enough um credit for the achievements that we have done and that's for a lack of knowing and a lack of understanding and unfortunately yeah. unfortunately for a long time um that lack was because of our education system you know what i'm saying and of you know laws that didn't benefit black yeah. inventors and black creatives at the time but if you think about just the nature of our industry and just being a creative person, period. Um, necessity is the mother of invention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So when we even go back to, yeah. you know, why certain things are made to make our lives easier, you know, who actually was the person that had the most um, initiative to make things to make their lives easier? And I would beg to say it was probably, you know, some of our ancestors that were brought over here against their will, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That built this country. Absolutely. So I think yeah. recognition of actually like, literally putting in the sweat equity and the labor of building our great institutions in our, in our country. Um, we should get some, some, some love for that. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't just yeah. talk about, you know, the civil rights era and, and, you know, all of those things, like it goes way back before that. Even when we do learn certain things, you think about in high school when they told us that Eli Whitney made the cotton gin. Do you think, right. do you think Eli Whitney, who owned slaves was actually thinking about how to make their lives easier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just to be honest, right? Do you think he was spending his waking moments? Like what machine can I make to make their lives easier? You know what I'm saying? Or do you think, right. do you think it was some man that was stolen from his country or woman that was stolen from their country that probably was an engineer or whatever the equivalent of that at the time was Absolutely. in their country was brought yep. over here. So now they're here as an engineer against their will and they're being forced to do manual labor in the hot South of America. You know what I'm saying? Who do you think, who do you think used their mind and their ingenuity to make their lives easier? But because that slave was not a, a recognized person, or at one point, you know, even after that, we were only three fifths of a, of a person. We weren't right. able to get a patent to say right. that this was my invention. You know what I'm saying? I came up with this idea on your plantation. Everything that I do here is yours, including me. You literally own me. You know what I'm own saying? Me. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about these things, we got to think about like the actual perspective of where these things actually came from and who actually, you know, may have been um, the, the, the leader behind this, even moving in, in that's the 17th century. But like when we fast right. forward, even we talk about the light bulb and Thomas Edison, you know, we don't, absolutely we don't show no love to Lewis Latimer, you know what I'm saying? And we don't talk about how, you know, he actually is the person that made that invention work and made it be yeah. able to, have the commercial success that it has, right? So when yeah. when when kids are able to say somebody looked like me contributed to this great country in a way that they weren't forced to, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Then it gives you a sense of pride and you actually do feel like I'm an American. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and and you dig deeper into you know, the, the, the values and stuff of our country, you dig deeper into your own mind and your own intellect and it opens up, you know, what you think you could do. So the next time yeah. you're at home and you're thinking of, you know, what could make my life easier, what I could do, you know, this little widget that I put together to help me achieve this certain thing or that certain thing, that's a whole industry right there. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we, I say we, but I, <laughs> Um, I have been having groups come and I do like a trap hackathon. Right. And I don't really okay. talk too much about this yet. And I don't, you know, put too many videos out, but it's exactly that. It's first educating young kids, young black kids about, you know, the history of, of 
manufacturing and where we belong in this. And then yeah. also giving them the skills and the opportunities to be the next person that makes some change. So we're doing things like making um, water bottle filters that go on a water bottle that can filter water for like people in Flint, right? They have, oh, they have dirty water, right? We're doing things yeah. like um, making smart gardens for places that are, that are, that are food deserts. Right. And all of these things that we're doing, we're doing with the router, a tabletop, little CNC, the XX tech from Tormach and 3d printers. So these are things that if Damn. your school doesn't have access to like a house machine or whatever it may be. Yeah. Now you can make these projects with these two small machines that'll help change uh, an issue that you guys are afflicted by. So um that's awesome absolutely but let's dig into some of these people who you got first on your list first up i got alice parker and i i am gonna preface as i was researching and for those longtime listeners you'll know that i do zero work for these episodes so this is the first episode i actually had to do a little work on and do some research um there's not a whole lot of pre-1900 to your point andrew uh uh credit given to the black community so i know that there are ton out there but i'm really we're really going to focus 1900 to today yeah and we're going to start with alice parker she was a woman inventor from new jersey who in 1919 patented a central heating system using natural gas. Unlike previous systems that used wood or coal, Parker's design featured multiple burners with individual controls, allowing for better temperature regulation and efficiency. This innovation was a significant precursor to the modern heating systems we rely on today, making our homes and workplaces more comfortable and safer. So, Considering all the electro, I mean, we, we now have automation when it comes to heating and cooling our homes, right? So you go back to a, just a hundred years, 105 years, and you've got this black woman in New Jersey so who she's, created this system. She's the mother of HVAC. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And again, 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 she's double afflicted. She's a one, she's a black woman in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. you know, going back to our conversation on part one, when we understand things outside of ourselves and then we look at the full scope of the conditions that people are going to school under, trying to get a career under, trying to do these different things, Black Americans are unique in a way that We've done all of these things in spite of systems that were built against us. Like literally, yeah. literally, we can't even say that they didn't benefit us when the Constitution right. says that you're a, you're not a person or you're three fifths of a person. That means you can't yeah. own land. You don't have housing security. You can't vote. You, you don't have right. political security. You don't have a legislative system that's going to help with your needs. You can't go to school past a certain grade. And in spite of these people still rise and we still rise. Right. So just yeah, the fact that, you know, there was uh, a Alice or there was a Lewis or there was 
you know, some of these other people that we're going to go across is a testament to the resiliency of these historically resilient populations as well. Right. Absolutely. And, and think of the pride of a, of a kid that can be told these stories in that context, you know, Oh, dude, what can you do now when you don't have to worry about a, a slave catcher? You know what I'm saying? You don't have right. to worry about like, you can go to a patent office now, you know what I'm saying? Like you can yeah. do these things and knowing that they were able to do it through that, um is is beyond encouraging and inspiring not just for myself but for uh all of a community yeah so next i've got a chemist you know who lloyd hall is i don't give me hip to lloyd hall he was a chemist whose work in food preservation revolutionized meat packing okay so picture pre-1930s right pre the refrigerator in every home mm -hmm. you literally just set meat outside to dry on racks all day long so in the 1930s uh lloyd developed flash dried salt crystals that combine the preservative effects of sodium chloride with sodium nitrate and nitrate it itself significantly improving the taste and safety of preserved foods. So that was in 1930? 1930. Okay, so this might be on your list if I steal your thunder, but I was putting my list together too. You know what I'm saying? And I did a lot of learning yeah. as well last night. And in 1935, which is, he was probably the predecessor for this, uh, Frederick McKinley Jones, a black inventor, okay. invented, invented the refrigerated food truck, right? So the, our everyday comforts, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Your dude. home, the food that you eat, getting to you. Um, you know, he built the refrigeration system that was able to be bubble to make sure that the transportation of perishable goods uh, was able for long distance shipping. So if you got that good Nebraska Omaha beef and you want a nice steak in New York, now these things are possible. But, you know, that's another thing. Being able to stack one thing on top of the other innovation begets more innovation. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so Lloyd Hall, uh, he also pioneered the use of antioxidants to prevent spoilage in bakery products. Wow. So the he's part of the reason that bread was able to be packaged pies were able to be packaged but he now the nowadays the preservatives that are used to keep these things fresh are literally toxic yeah he used antioxidants to make that happen much safer much safer and then and then so so i always i always go back to the fact that enslaved people were discouraged, obviously violently, from being able to learn to read and write, number one. Number two, they were enslaved from countries all over Africa with different tongues and different dialects. So they weren't even able to have some kind of system that where they were able to, you know, teach each other in for a long time. And although this was a 400-year period, 
You know what I'm saying? It was a huge, significant time where other counterparts were able to learn, go to school, go to higher education. There were colleges set up and none of these inventions were made, but it took these people that had been afflicted, that weren't able to read or write, that didn't have a higher education system set up for themselves, or if they did around that time, they were fledgling just brand new universities that didn't have the same resources as the Yales and the Harvards and, you know, the historical places of this time. And they're still in spite of, and this is going to be the, the theme. Absolutely. In spite of, that'll be the title of this episode. In spite of. In spite of. In spite of. Um, being able to to hear these stories also, you know, because like I said, This episode is brought to you by Speroni. Revolutionize your shop floor with Speroni, where cutting-edge technology meets craftsmanship. Elevate precision, amplify productivity. Speroni. Experience, tradition, the future. Some of these names I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Which is also, a, it's a huge problem, but being able to hear these things and put them into perspective with my grown mind is absolutely is making me feel like I got to do more. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I was talking with two gentlemen. One of them um, is, is uh, Mr. Lonnie Jones. You know what I'm saying? Lonnie Johnson, okay. excuse me. And Lonnie Johnson um, invented the super soaker. He worked with NASA and he used the technology um, that he was working on in NASA to make the super soaker. And then later on took his super soaker design and made the Nerf guns. Right. And there's probably not a household in America that doesn't have multiple Nerf guns, uh, super soakers, video games, like all of these different things. And nobody really like thinks about a black man from NASA aerospace aeronautics engineer invented these things. Right. And I got to talk to him um, this past weekend, which was was surreal. Uh, but even talking to him, he understands that we've got a duty to not only educate ourselves about these things, but be seen and be outside and be somewhere, like I said earlier, where we can touch and he can be a resource for me and, you know, school me on things that I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Even, 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 even Lonnie. So Lonnie, I think made um, his designs in the like late eighties, probably Um, maybe before that, maybe early eighties, but it was in the eighties and he didn't get even paid proper royalties. He had to take, he had to fight until 2013 and then he was finally recognized. And it's like, fuck. How many American inventors are that happening to? Probably not many unless they come from this community. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yep. you know, it's a travesty that even as as recent as then, you know, our IP and our, our contributions aren't being Absolutely. recognized. But let's hop back into the list. All right. So number three uh, is a person who made conversations like this possible in the world of electronics okay so otis boykin okay 
Otis Boinkin uh, was an electric genius, electronic genius, not electric genius. Well, he might have been electric. <laughs> I didn't know him, but he was an electronic genius. Um, and he, he had a huge impact on the world of electronics. He improved the electrical resistor technology and patented it in 1959. That And it made electronic devices like TVs, radios, computers more affordable wow so before then right your computers took up entire rooms and and still they were still large in 1959 they didn't start getting smaller until the 80s yeah. right late 70s early 80s but he made computing technology more affordable and accessible that's and accessible crazy so so i want to go back a little bit because I think about what these technologies were able to help us do as Americans. You know what I'm saying? Um, because a lot of times people think about like, oh, black owned products or black produced things are only for black people. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm a testament to even my tour. It's a black owned tour. I'm a black person that's headlining it, but I'm reaching young white kids, boys and girls, Hispanic Absolutely. kids, Indian kids, Asian kids. Black kids, so you know, black owned or black in invented or innovated doesn't mean that they only did it for the culture. You know, they did it for all of us. So um, yep. that invention most likely helped a lot in wars that we were fighting shortly after the fifties, Vietnam, Allah. You know what I'm saying? So let's rewind a little bit. Remember World War One? When yeah. we were in World War One, there was a problem called mustard gas. And yeah. people were using gas as a uh, part of war for the first time. And there was no, because it was so new, there was no, um, there was nothing to fight against it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it no was, safety precautions. And it was kicking our butt until Garrett Morgan in 1912 invented the gas mask, which helped us do a lot of that trench warfare where things were fought really closely in these gassy situations, which gave us and our allies the advantage, right? So Dude. when we think about stuff like that, think about our forefathers that were saved because of some of these black inventions. Think about if we didn't have that advantage to get through those mustard gas, that was their advantage. If we didn't turn the tables like that, what kind of world will we be living in right now? Gary Morgan yeah. also, you know, non-war facing, but he also invented... Uh, the traffic signal, which no way. Tell me that you know what I'm saying. We don't use that every day, and that doesn't <laughs> revolutionize the way that we move and the way that we're mobile. Wow! Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I want to parlay off of that Garrett Morgan with Otis Boinkins. He, you know, created that electrical resistor. His innovations created played a crucial role in creating the first workable and plantable pacemaker. Wow. Okay. So, and you want to talk about people inventing things that impact lives, right? How many lives has that impacted? And still. Has an, and still to this day, you know, implantable pacemakers. But if you look back at history, it wasn't the black community and this is what i found in doing this research it wasn't the black community that was dying of heart attacks back then right right absolutely absolutely it, 
it, it that that was not who that device was created to say. Come on, man, say it. So how selfish of a, a selfless of a man like Otis to create a technology in a world in 1959 that was not kind at all, at all, right? And 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 at all. And this is not an inventor, but this is also a black trailblazer. But even at that time, think about what else was going on. You know who uh, Ruby Bridges is, right? So she was a little black girl just trying to go to school, and they had to bring the National Guard just for this little black girl to sit in a class at a white school. And people were that demonic and that horrible that they wanted to wish death. They wanted to physically harm this little child for wanting a better education at a school that could serve her better to the point where she had to have armed National Guard walk her to school and class to class. And and we're told with the media that like, oh, you know, black people are violent and we're, you know, all these different things and history doesn't really support that. You know what I'm saying? And over time, if these are our stories and, you know, things aren't really changing at the pace that they should and we're not getting recognition for the contributions that we're making as great citizens of America, not just black America, but as you pointed out, all of America, then of course there's going to be some frustration. You know what I'm saying? Of course there's going to be some pent up emotions, you know, that might come across as anger. You know what I'm saying? But again, we had to do all of these things in spite of the laws, the culture at the time, you know, uh, all of these things being against and working against, people like this and 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 they're still saying let me help you let me use what i do know and what i do have to help you fellow american um another and that's why these conversations are so important right yes because and 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 drew uh, just a little quick divergent here um i was watching uh an episode or a clip on social media of tom hanks from 2020 and he's talking about his experience with the Tulsa massacre, yep. right? Yep. And how disgusted he was that at 64 years old, he was just learning about the massacre, right? Yes. And I look back on my own experience. When I went to school, when I was in grade school, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I've learned about it, but it was called something dramatically different when I learned about it and it was phrased to make it look like a violent act from the black community. They called it when I was growing up, it was called the Tulsa race riot. Yeah. Yep. And the way that's why. So go ahead. I was 40 something years old, man. Before I heard something about it yep, and actually learned about, it was a massacre. Yes. It wasn't a race riot. Literally man. government planes dropping bombs on a city that, that we don't even, we don't even do 
sometimes to people that we're actually at war with. We don't drop bombs right. on communities. You know, there's strategic military locations that we might drop bombs on a warehouse that's making, you know, whatever. Right. But we're not dropping them on communities. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And that's a war crime. But when these things happen to our community, not only is it brushed under the rug, but then it's rewritten and retold in a way that we were the aggressors. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and, and that's also why it's important that not only are we educating ourselves, but we're making sure the education that we're getting or giving is coming from the people that were in the community so that right. we understand really how it went. Right. And, yeah. and a lot of times lately, you know, and I'm, I'm not a political dude, but you know, a lot of times right now with uh, education, Missouri was one of them where they're removing black history books and like books about black yeah. people and black situations out of the curriculum and out of their libraries. And it's like, you know, their, their reasoning is I don't want my white kids to feel bad or feel whatever because of what their ancestors did. And it's like, think about the young black child, the, the grown black person who every day sat in a class and didn't get to hear the stories of their triumphant people and only have to hear about great white people all the time, yep. because that's what the rest of the curriculum is. We learn only about, our forefathers and all of those different things, but we don't weren't learn about the black ones. So how do you think the black kids have felt since the history of education? They've always yeah. been to feel that their story starts at slavery. And now we're here. We were slaves. Right. We were beat. We were, you know, all of these horrible things. And now we're here. And we don't think of, we don't get to hear about the significant contributions that we made to everyday life, not just, you know, and I love Martin. I love Malcolm. It's not just we have a dream. It is not just right. by any means. You know what I'm saying? We're inventing things. We're helping society go forward. We're being innovative. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And when we do build, we get our cities bombed, and then we still build back, and we still right. continue to rise in spite of. So, you know, having that narrative will make you feel better as, like I said, a, a, an American. You know what I'm saying? Not just as a black American, but as an actual American. And then we grow up saying, yes. yo, you know, your people were, my people were done bad. Your people might have been purveyors of that. But also there's great white people that have done things to help uplift black people, to help Absolutely. us in our struggle yeah. and our, you know what I'm saying? So saying like, yo, my great, great grandfather may have been a part of this and I denounce it completely. And I denounce it so much that I'm going to be intentional about telling these stories and I'm going to help, yep. you know, be a person that tells the story the right way and not just to black people. If I'm not, you know, I'm going to show y'all love, but if I'm in a room full of people that look like me, I'm going to help educate them as well because act the change isn't going to come from us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The change we could, we've been telling y'all all day, like, forever you know slavery was bad we you know redlining was bad like all these things are bad it's afflicting us it's right. affecting our neighborhoods it's affecting... jim crow laws yeah, yeah it's horrible it's horrible it's horrible and it, it until y'all who are in power can say you know what let's do something about it do it there's nothing that there's we'll just be screaming on deaf ears we know you know what i'm yeah. saying we lived it yeah. you feel me yeah Absolutely. And, and and I really want to, before we go through the last two here, I really want to touch on something that, that you said in there, uh, Drew. 
we've got to consider the source, right? Yeah. So when we're telling these stories, uh, so one thing I'm doing this month in my intentionality is I'm reading the biography of Jim Brown by uh, Dubois. Let's go. I, I, it, it's uh, an amazingly powerful story, right? But I had to, I had to put aside the things that I learned about John Brown from the history books that I read in high school, yes. college, and middle school, right? To be open to Dubois' storytelling of John Brown's life, yes. right? Because that's a source. If I'm listening to somebody else, I'm not capturing the story of, of John Brown. In the right? real, yeah. I'm, yeah, in a in a real way, right? So I I think, and I was very intentional in the the sources that I got these people's stories from, right? Yeah, I'm not going to certain publications and and just taking their advice for it. I was very intentional. So you have to go through and and I think that you know we the mainstream media, the media in general the Hollywood, whatever they portray the black and Brown community as athletes, as yeah. rappers, right? Th yeah. Those are the people to aspire to. We had one movie that hidden figures, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it really did a great job of, of focusing on, on the, the STEM, the women in STEM yeah. that are from that black and Brown community. Yes. But then you dig a little deeper and, was it written by a black person? Right. Was it? And, and, right? and, and did we tell the story the way it happened or did we tell the story that's going to appease other people? This guy. Yeah, exactly. And the fact of the matter is, why is there only one movie like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right? where are the rest? There's tons of these stories that we could tell and we could tell them yes. in a good way. And we should be telling these stories. I want to rewind because you were talking about the book and historic figures. And I want to put this on your radar if you haven't read it. Um, yeah. but, uh, up from slavery from, uh, Booker T Washington. This is one of my okay. favorite books. I read it when I was locked up and inspired me to do more. And the reason I'm adding him into this conversation isn't necessarily because of inventions or anything like that, but he started vocational schools out of slavery for black people. One of which became the Tuskegee Institute, Tuskegee university right now. Yeah. Right. And his main thing, Booker T Washington's biggest thing was that as black people, now we're entering into this age where we're able to educate ourselves, right? So not only educating yourselves, Dubois, who you just referenced, was his counterpart. And Dubois was taught was more of, you know, let's become writers and doctors and lawyers and like, let's really get into this intellectualism because we're able to, right? Right. So uh, Booker T. Washington said, yes, all of that is great. But at the same time, because of where we are, we need a solid foundation. So while you go to college, yeah. you should be learning a trade at the same time. And that's where Tuskegee Institute came from, one of the first black colleges ever. And what they did was you learn a trade while you got your degree, right? And I think that in, 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 in pushing that message, especially at that time, which I think needs to come back, you know, having a, a hands-on skill set and having a skill set and a foundation based in the trades and then using that to fuel whatever other thing you'd like to do or what your passion is is a great recipe for home ownership for you know um having better yes. schools for 
you know, always having something that you can pay bills with when things like yes. AI come and take a lot of these white collar jobs. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to no, recognize him and and say that, you know, the, the messages that he has still rings true today. I love it. I love it. All right, so let's get into it. Now we're getting a, a little bit closer in the timeline uh, of uh, manufacturing. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, welding superstar. Okay. Uh, Ernest Levert. Okay. Uh, he had a significant impact on aerospace manufacturing. All right, get me here. So Levert, uh, he had specialties in robotics laser beam and electron beam welding wow. and has contributed to advancements in construction and maintenance of crucial aerospace components, wow. including the international space station. Come on, man. His work on photovoltaic radiators and the development of elbow tubing for coolant gases demonstrates the critical role of welding and ensuring the safety and functionality of space exploration equipment. As a senior staff manufacturing engineer at Lockheed Martin, mm. Levert led a team that welded 284 missiles, mm. showcasing the importance of precision and innovation in defense manufacturing. Hey, Manufacturing Culture Podcast listeners, power up your day with Shop Floor Coffee. Use promo code SKILLUPAZ with no spaces for 10% off your order. It's not just a brew, it's a movement. Each purchase supports Skill Up Arizona, helping to fund apprenticeships and scholarships in the state of Arizona. This is coffee that empowers future tech and trade stars. Ready to join the cause? Click the link in the show notes to order and sip with purpose. Together, let's brew a brighter future. What does that legacy teach us about the importance of these specialized skills, right, man? Right. And building on that, as you're reading um, about all of these things he's doing, in my mind, I'm thinking of my friend, Dr. Nome Scott, right? And right. Uh, Dr. Nome is it seems like carrying on that legacy if he know whether he knows it or not right so um right. with that black history that's what that's what I was talking about that juxtaposition black history helps make black futures and dr scott yeah. with hyphen innovations is um he actually invented a uh um uh, a metal an alloy that is eight times stronger lighter and more heat resistant than incadam and what? Yes, and made the process to 3D print it as well. So what? Yes. So with this technology, he also made a spray-on um component that you put on turbine engines that reduces vibration in the engines. So it makes them more effective and more efficient. So this is a black man out of Ohio. You know what I'm wow. saying? And he's currently developing these things for the Department of Defense and and for these these places now. So in the light and in the legacy, we're continuing to carry that torch and do these things. And it's like we're still representing these spaces. We should be talking about it. And I'm glad that we're doing it right now on this platform. Um, can I can I do one? 
Absolutely. Jump in anytime, my man. Okay. So what year, what year was that one? Uh, he's currently alive. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have, uh, what year, but that, I mean, that is in the last 20 years. That's fire. That's fire. So I'm going to rewind a little bit to the sixties and we're going to go back to, um, a black woman, um, inventor and, uh, Marie Van Britten Brown. Uh, this is a person last year for Black History Month. Every Friday, I was highlighting uh, yeah. a person that uh, is making Black history now in our industry or has made Black history um, in the past. And Marie Marie Van Britten Brown was actually a nurse. And she invented um, what we know now as ADT and Ring, right? So the first home security system that had the video components and the audio components to be able uh, to speak. So she's credited with building CCTV surveillance. Um, and her system uh, was the first one that had camera peephole um, and a monitor connected two-way microphone. So homeowners could check out their properties uh, remotely. And wow, that invention is still you know, protecting homes and houses uh, and people and families, no matter what they look like today. Wow. Wow. Pretty dope. It's amazing. And and again, right. And next year, because you and I are going to make this an annual thing now. Let's man. get it. Um, <laughs> next year, when we do this, I now have to go that extra step and be even more intentional about looking for black women contributions. Yes. Right. Because I, uh, as I was doing my research, right, uh, four out of the five that I'm bringing to the table are, are black men. Yeah. Strong black men. Yeah. Right. But black women have have brought a lot of innovation uh, as well. So I'm going to say this. Just a mental note. Yeah. I, 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 even more intentional. man. And I'm going to say this um, for Black History Month. And I might catch some flack for it from my community and, you know, other communities. But it needs to be said. Uh, black women are the most disrespected group in in the world. You know what I'm saying? Um, and not just by white or other people, black men in our music, in our, you know, the way we speak a lot in the culture. Um, black women are the most disrespected. So, you know, I've made it a mission of mine to when I'm able to, you know, make space for a black woman or big up a black woman, um, I try to go out of my way to make sure that I can do it. And I appreciate you doing the same because like I said, I love it. you know, they are uh, in a class of their own when it comes to, you know, black problems and woman problems compound those things. And when, like I said, our, our we were conditioned through music and through, you know, things before that to to you know disrespect our women as well so on black yeah. history month i'd be remiss to say as a black son black husband black brother um uh, black grandson black nephew shout out to black women i see you yeah. and thank you for being so resilient absolutely and uh the the resilience of women in general yeah are is is absolutely amazing yeah but i you're you're absolutely right and uh, i think it's pr- 
perpetrated a lot by a, a lot of different groups. Um, I think that people who look like me sometimes fetishize, yep. right? Yeah. Because we, uh, how media, how Hollywood does portray black women I mean, uh, it, in general. Yeah. And if we could get real, I mean, let's be honest, go back to the, to slavery days again. You know what I'm saying? Black men yep. and black women were ripped from each other. So there weren't families. Then they were forced to yep. only breed with each other to make, so there's no love there. There's just, it's yep. you're fetishized, you're sexualized, right? And yep. we've got a whole race of, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson had, well, like 13 black kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So literally for a long time, they were, that was what they were used for. And then we yeah. carry that into entertainment. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if we look at the top, even black female rappers today, they wear the least amount of clothes. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we're, we're, yeah. when we turn on TV, you know, a lot of times, Black women are shown in the light of, you know, over hypersexualized. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, it's something that a lot of things are subconsciously ingraining into our mind. But yep. you know, you open this series, I believe, with a black woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lisa Black Absolutely. is a strong black woman that is in this industry that is, you know, making waves. She's like C-suite level. You know what I'm saying? There's so many black women that have, again, in spite of risen, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, they deserve their their pat on the back and a whole lot more than that. And the black futures for them, I hope, are bright. Amen. Right? And their, their daughters and their granddaughters, uh, that's what... I can do what I can contribute is recognize the history, recognize the past uh, or, or the, the current state, um, but then create space for the future. Yes. Right. And, 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 uh, and thank you for doing your part. I think we're doing our part right now. We're doing a little bit of what we could do, but I want to put out a real word to everybody that may not feel the same way as you. If you look at America, things are changing. Your white son or your white yeah. daughter might bring home, you know what I'm saying, uh, a significant other that looks like me, and now all of a sudden you got black grandbabies. So if you weren't working yep. on making the world better, you don't want to start right then. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> <laughs> you know, get a that that's a rough starting point. Yeah, right? you know I mean, that's a, it's a rough moment to have to start Absolutely. looking that direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, if you just keep it on the back of your mind that these are my neighbors, these are my friends, these are my kids' friends, you know what I'm saying? And the yeah. world is changing. Um, you know, just do it for everybody. But I think start with black women. Yep. All right, so I got one more, man. Um, and this one is, it blew my mind, right? And uh, I, And it blew my mind for the same reason, you know, we're talking about the cotton gin. At the beginning of this episode, yeah. right? Guaranteed that wasn't his, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, let's talk about Mark Dean. Okay. And Mark Dean holds three of IBM's original nine patents. Wow. And played the primary role in the development of the color PC monitor. No way. The industry standard architecture system bus and 
the first gigahertz chip. No way. Which, which, all of which we're using as we speak in one way or the other. Or even the listeners or the watchers. Right, right I now. Mean, they're not consuming this content without any of those three things. Yes, right now. yes. I see a lot of wow. I see a lot of stuff on um the interwebs lately. That is a really dope campaign. Think of machinists as different people who are doing it. And yeah. a lot of them have like the videos where they're like sitting somewhere and stuff that machinists made starts disappearing and they're by themselves. I think my dude Trent did one of the best ones and uh Paul Van Meter is doing really good with that as well. Um, yeah. um but um uh, I say also thank a black inventor, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> thank a black innovator, you know what I'm saying? Because yes. all of the things that we touched on today, which we didn't even get to, you know, the dude that invented the dryer, you know, the dude that invented oh. infrared temperature uh scanning devices, we didn't get to we even scratch the surface of who's all out yeah. there. But yeah. just have in your mind that, you know, you have a black inventor, a black innovator, especially this month, who's an American, just like you, that yeah. you're living your life that you're living comfortably, probably because of what they brought to the table and what was done as a result of those things. So also have in your mind that there are more out here that are waiting to be enabled that are waiting to have that light switch turned on and without these black inventors and these black innovators that have been here there won't be the ones that are coming right and we wouldn't have what we have today without them so imagine how much better our world is going to be when we're intentional and we're going out and we're helping build these bridges to the next generation of black futures well, shit, man. Mic drop. The episode's over, wow. everybody. <laughs> you know, hey, I have, that was a, awesome. I have a tendency to do that sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Wow. All right. Well, uh, with that, everybody, I'm going to say that's a wrap on today's uh, electrified journey. No, 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 no. Before we go. Before we go. You got one more? All right. Let's go. I just want to thank you for doing this. You know what I'm saying? And this is the first of many, like you said. But again, yeah. this is how change is made. And and you have, you know, put your foot and your feet on the road and you're walking them time after time again. And Thank I'm you. honored that we were able to have this dope conversation. I'm honored that yeah. we just so happened to record it and that it's going to live outside of, of just our computers. I'm honored to be benefiting off of these black inventors and the things that they made yeah. with you. You know what I'm saying? And I am grateful that you are recognizing these things and you're recognizing that they're important. So thank you for putting this together. I had a great time with you today. I hope everybody Dude. checks out both of these episodes and I hope y'all <laughs> keep beating down Jim's door for more. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you for the recognition. Uh, and, and, I appreciate your friendship, man. Like, no doubt. Uh, it, 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 it takes a long time for adult men to create friendships, yeah. right? Um, but, Drew, you were somebody, uh, the very first time I met you, I knew we were going to be friends. My man. Right? It, it was just... Well, hey, I fucked up uh, that first night. I didn't have a hotel room for you that first night in <laughs> Wichita uh, two years ago. So I, I messed up, right? Uh, but 
I will say the first time you and I just chatted, it, it, the friendship was was blossoming, right? Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your mentorship and guidance as I navigate unlearning some of the things that I learned and relearning uh, other things um, means a lot to me, man. So thank you very much. You're welcome, my boy. And we're going to keep this thing thank rolling. You. Let's keep going, buddy. Uh, so now, everybody, that's a wrap on today's electrifying journey through the contributions of Black innovators in the world of manufacturing. We've uncovered the stories of pioneers who not only shaped the industry, but have also inspired generations to come. The future of, right? A heartfelt thank you to our guest, friend, contributor, collaborator, Andrew Crow for diving deep into the rich history with us. Uh, I'm very uh, grateful for the support of our show sponsor, Speroni, whose commitment to precision and excellence mirrors the groundbreaking work of the figures that we've discussed today. Um, let's not forget the fuel that keeps us going as well. Uh, Shop Floor Coffee. Use the promo code SKILLUPARIZONA. Get your hands on a brew that's as robust as and reliable as the innovations we've celebrated in this episode. But also, guys, not a dollar of, of shop floor coffee comes to the podcast. Every bit of whatever partnership dollars come in through this go to fund Skill Up Arizona Apprenticeship Scholarship Foundation. You're not supporting me. I I don't make money from by doing this, guys. I make money doing my other stuff, my consulting. Shop Floor Coffee is helping fund the future of manufacturing, helping go after uh, underrepresented communities in the world of manufacturing. So buy your coffee. Use Skill Up AZ as your promo code. And this month, this, this month if you're buying that coffee, drink it black. <laughs> Hey, man, I, I put a little bit of sugar. I like my coffee uh, black and sweet. There you go. Uh, there you go. Just like you. Yeah. Just like you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if this episode sparked your curiosity or lit a fire in your heart, share the flame with your friends and colleagues. Your support helps us illuminate the unsung heroes in the manufacturing world and keeps the gears of this podcast turning. While you're at it, drop us a rating and a review. We're eager to hear your thoughts and feedback. And every time you rate and review the show, it rockets us up the charts. More people find us. So make sure that you're doing that. Um, for more episodes and deeper dive into the world of culture and manufacturing, visit us at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, keep forging paths, breaking molds, and manufacturing greatness. Have a great day. Keep making things. 